Hello, humans. I am sitting in my apartment in Greece alone, and I am recording the first episode of LX2 Codependency. I am doing this on my own because Kat is back in the States, probably uh, getting ready for work. We did talk about the fact that we will be transitioning to just me, and this is happening. So I'm talking to myself into a microphone, which feels very odd, because normally Kat and I have some great banter in the beginning. Um, but I wanted to come on and have uh, an opportunity to catch everybody up on the transition. What you might hear in the background is the sound of a very bustling city of Athens, Greece, which I have not lived in a big city and certainly not downtown in a very long time. So if you catch some sounds, that's what's happening. Uh, don't have any intro music. I wanted to work on that project before, but I am not a musician and I don't know how to do that. So if anybody has any submissions for some fun, non-copyrighted songs to open up the podcast, that would be really helpful. Well, I have to tell you that this project um, has been a long time coming. There was a whole year of preparing to come out here, and I am adjusting to the very interesting lifestyle change of living away from family, living in a different time zone, living... um, completely alone where I know zero human beings um, and also just kind of adjusting to um, being completely free and that feels very strange. I do not have a job. A job I haven't had a job in a while where I've worked with someone for someone else. Um, I was running my own practice completely by myself. Um, Certainly for the last six years before that, I did, I was doing contract work for an agency. Um, if you're just tuning in to LX2 or X to the Zenial, as we used to be known, um, I was an LPCC or a licensed professional clinical counselor uh, for the last 10 years, and I did mental health counseling. Um, I have completely retired from that. I put my license in retirement status uh, about three weeks ago, and I am going to start this new project, which is codependency coaching. Um, If you were fortunate enough to be one of my clients, codependency is something we worked on often. Uh, If you were never one of my clients, um, then you don't have any idea what I'm talking about. So uh, codependency is not a clinical term. It is uh, a term that was kind of born of uh, the addiction model, really looking at uh, people who are not codependent on other people, but the idea that we seek out validation or find our value from depending on other people. So um, we'll get into codependency a little bit more if you don't have or want to have a little bit more, if you want to have more information, there is an episode of X to the Zenial on codependency, and you can check that out. Um, I will be continuing to put out content on um, Luna X2 
in on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, and if you have questions, I would absolutely love that. We got some uh, listener engagement with X to the Zennial, but I would love to have a lot more. And so I will be also engaging more on the Luna underscore X2 underscore LLC at Instagram uh, or Luna dash X2 on Facebook. Um, but I would love to have more engagement from human beings um, with questions regarding codependency or just anything. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit today about what that transition looked like to this new place that I am in, both emotionally and physically. Um, just want to tell you a little bit about the trip and the planning uh, that got me to here. I do plan on putting out an episode once a week for a while, um, but that's where that listener engagement would be really helpful to kind of direct the flow of all of this. Um, so I started about a year ago. I, I had come to Greece with a friend of mine, um, and she and I traveled to an island called Santorini. If you've never heard of it, you should. It's beautiful. It's the one with the white walls and blue uh, parapets, um, or whatever those things are called on the roof. Um, but it's a beautiful place. So Julie and I went to Santorini for a week, stayed in this cute little resort uh, called the Vedema, and, uh, you know, went on some sunset cruises and ate wonderful food, drank lots of local wine. It was a good time. And then we came to, uh, to Athens for a week and stayed in the Grand Britain, which is downtown. Um, it's about four or five miles from where I am. Uh, sounds close, is not, because the city is massive and all the streets are like windy and crazy. Um, in, at home, so I'm from Albuquerque, um, everything is in a grid and it follows that for the most part. Uh, here, that is not the case. Um, I have taken the opportunity every morning I go on a couple mile walk uh, slash run and I'm still learning the terrain, but everything is twisty turny and there are lots of hills and so a uh, straight shot of four or five miles is not that. It is a lot more territory. Um, but anyway, stayed downtown. It was beautiful right in the city center. Um, kind of walked around quite a bit, uh, saw the Acropolis, uh, went to some museums. So I fell in love with the place, came home back to Albuquerque and started really thinking about how I wanted to uh, move back to Greece. Um, I have been to Europe one other time. Uh, when I was 17, I went to Spain for a month. Um, thank you to my mom who I think was somehow compensating me for all of the things that had happened a couple years prior, which was my dad dying and taking care of children and uh, kind of dealing with all of those things. So again, grateful to her. All of that sounds bougier than it is, but uh, I went with an exchange program to Spain with a really good friend of mine. And um, that was kind of a life-changing experience as well. So living abroad is not completely foreign to me. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it was definitely not something that I had thought about uh, before last year. 
Um, so a couple things that really struck me were so many people speak English here, which I thought was pretty fascinating. Um, and also that uh, living in a foreign place is such a life-changing experience just because culturally you learn a lot of things from living somewhere other than where you're born and raised. And so um, a good friend of mine had mentioned that you know most people, there's an article or some statistic that said most people die within 60 miles of where they're born. Um, and certainly in New Mexico, what I know to be true, and I'm sure this is true for other regions and parts of the country, uh, the United States, or maybe even here too, is that uh, people don't leave where they're from um, because that's just what we do as human beings. Um, you know, our, our days of, of nomadic travel and traveling for uh, resources doesn't necessarily happen all that often. Um, and I think that we are very isolated in our thinking that, uh, you know, if something isn't broke, don't fix it. Um, and so if you are comfortable where you are, I totally recognize that that's totally fine. What I also know to be true is that there's a lot of people who are anxious about breaking out of their norm. Uh, there's another episode of Exodusennial where we talk about change and how that's challenging. Um, and I, I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. I mean, again, if, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But um, my life needed to be shaken up and I had been kind of shaking it up quite a bit before that, uh, certainly with my separation from my husband um, in 2016, going out on my own. Uh, so it, it is on brand for me to shake things up and do something completely different. Um, even going to graduate school and uh, starting that in 2010 was uh, a shakeup from kind of the, the things that I was doing before that. So it is in my nature to change things drastically. Um, but moving to a different country, selling everything, um, well, selling everything and then moving to a different country uh, was kind of extreme. Um, so I, I will tell you that. So a year ago, came back. That was cool. Uh, was really thinking about how I would love to live here and um, started really kind of you know, looking at all the different ways I could do that. So the first kind of idea that came to me was teaching English as a foreign language uh, called the TEFL. Uh, it's a certification license program. I don't know if it's a license, it's a certification, certification program to teach English as a foreign language in other countries. Um, and so I kind of looked into that. It seemed okay, but one of the challenges I rubbed up against is, especially in Greece, they would prefer to hire someone from Greece or with connections to Greece to be able to do that. So uh, although the idea of kind of coming and being here, I didn't want to take anybody else's job, quite honestly. Um, and so I, I kept playing with the idea uh, so I came back in September, um, in October, another thing had happened, uh, just to kind of track the last year. Um, my daughter and my best friend kind of had an intervention with me and they were like, look, you know, you've never really been like single, single. Um, I've always just kind of like, a, I like 
dating, if you will. Um, and we know from previous episodes that uh, I had an open marriage. And um, so I was always in a ship of some kind. Um, and so in October, they sat me down and they said, hey, how about you go ship free for uh, 90 days, right? So don't get on dating apps. Don't really, you know, start talking to anybody new. See how that works out. It's <clears throat> germane to the story because um, at that point, I completely got off dating apps and I stopped distracting myself with kind of hookups and meeting random people. Um, so kind of started that process while I was also looking at changing my life, um, which was interesting. It's kind of, I've given up very little in my life in terms of kind of addiction, behavior things, because I, I don't drink. I drink, but I don't drink a lot. Um, never really like a drug person. The constant sound of, um, not motorcycles, but there's like scooters. It's very interesting or very loud cars. Anyway, um, it is constant. Fortunately, I live in a really cool apartment that has very soundproof windows, but it is warm today. And so I've opened those up a little bit. Um, so anyway, gave up the ships and started thinking about what I was going to do for money. Um, in the meantime, I was also saving money and really kind of tossing around the idea of moving here. So those two things happened. Then in January, I started telling clients that I will be retiring in August. Um, and so kind of getting them ready for the fact that I was going to leave. Um, and that was tough for a lot of them uh, because having a very thriving practice, um, a lot of my clients had been with me for years, but not coming to therapy weekly. So the way that I do and have done therapy in the past is usually do four back-to-back -back sessions once a week, uh, move people out to every two weeks, and then monthly, and then maintenance. And so I had clients for years that were kind of on the maintenance plan where over time they had stopped coming weekly or every two weeks or even monthly, I wouldn't see them for months, if not years. And then, you know, kind of the nice thing about having a relationship with a therapist that you like is that when things are a little bit dicier or you're going through some transition, uh, you call the therapist that you know and she puts you in the schedule. I am the therapist that most people know, um, especially if you're listening to this. But um, it's kind of a nice gig because I had uh, a constant influx of clients while I was also taking new clients. So I took two new clients in January, letting them both know that I was retiring, and then I stopped taking new clients. But I stayed busy enough, you know, to obviously make money and save money during that uh, six or seven month transition to retirement. Um, but in the meantime, I was letting go of clients pretty consistently. I did have a timeline and plan so that by March they had a referral list so that they could start um, seeking out a new therapy or new clinician uh, when they were ready. So that thing was in place. So I had three timelines going starting in January. Um, so one was to close down my practice. 
the other one was to get ready to move. So that was selling all my stuff, um, starting to book travel, trying to figure out where I'm going to stay, all of those things. Um, and then creating a new um, either job or figuring out what I was going to do for money. So all of those things were happening kind of simultaneously. Um, and I was starting to talk a lot about timelines with clients and, and my friends and people. And so um, really looking at how we human beings uh, live in one kind of dimensional reality, um, but we can constantly shift and change those timelines. And some of us do it all the time. Um, you know, we have our work life and self, we have our home life and self, uh, we have our friends life and self. And so each of those is also a, a different timeline um, and really looking at our, our personas or personalities in terms of how we craft those parts of our lives. And so really recognizing that we have a lot more energy depending on what timeline we're living in um, or how we are behaving, right? And so, um, so I had those three timelines going and also really kind of not doing this ship thing. I uh, was ship free. Now I will tell you that I had a s couple small boat situations, uh, <laughs> which is what I called them. Uh, one was kind of a long-term old, older uh, boat. He was not an older human, because uh, I like him younger, but <laughs> one that I had had around kind of for a while, and uh, he wouldn't really qualify as a ship, uh, more of a destruction. And then I had met someone in April of 2021, um, and so he was just kind of also someone that I knew, but not really a ship. Anyway, those are the only two humans I was dealing with um, in a very non-maintenance way, uh, just kind of uh, see them or talk to them, whatever. Um, so all of these things are happening, same time, we're still in January. So by March, clients know that I'm leaving, they have a referral list, I start closing files regularly, having termination sessions one right after the other. At the same time, um, really starting in like February, I was posting things to sell them on OfferUp. So posting furniture, um, I started getting rid of books. I have had uh, the fortune and privilege of owning a ton of books. Um, and I say it as a privilege because there are people who don't, uh, who don't have access, who uh, don't have space, um, but fortunately for me, I, I owned a lot of books, um, which is weird because I do mainly Audible and that doesn't make any sense. But so I started getting rid of things and I, I got rid of things in, in a methodical but also kind of crazy way. Um, I started giving things away um, and so I was giving away books kind of regularly. Um, I have... Uh, so I had a, a clinical library of books that I used for work. And then I had just kind of my own personal library of books that I have accumulated um, over time. And, uh, and I had a house of shit, just, you know, I had a really beautiful home. Um, 
with a very well-appointed kitchen and uh, lots and lots of art. Um, so anyway, started giving things away. And um, that was challenging. So I was doing the timeline of moving and um, closing down my business. Um, and so I was giving away items. I was posting items on Offer Up and Let Go on Facebook Marketplace. Um, and it was strange because it, it kind of took a life of its own. And so my very once well-appointed, beautiful home started to come apart around me. Um, and that was incredibly challenging um, because I had space for myself in this really great home that I had kind of curated and cultivated to be a very lovely sanctuary. It was coming apart as I was continuing to uh, get ready for my move. And at several times during this process, um, it was extremely emotional. It was really difficult to kind of hold fast to the changes that I was making um, because the mission was to get here, but it was so far away and so intangible that while I am letting go of my art, um, my books, uh, my dishes, my furniture, my clothes, um, I am still living uh, and practicing work and trying to spend time with my friends, which I had pulled way back from uh, because again, I'm doing this work of purging and detachment. Detachment, we will talk about um, because it is a big part of the codependency practice is being able to let go of the things that we hold on to when we don't even realize that we're holding on to them, right? Um, and so that's a new project called the Year of Detachment, which I was really deeply in at the time. I'm still kind of coming out of that very strict um, practice of detachment. Um, but anyway, to continue on with the story, I was letting go of all of these things and, um, and it was painful. Uh, it was very, very difficult, uh, to look through my life and really recognize what was essential and what wasn't, uh, in the process of doing that. I, like I said, I took a step back from kind of spending time with my friends because it's, it's a very emotional thing to let go of everything you've ever touched in your whole life. Um, and I say your whole life because at one point I have, I still own it, but um, it had different items in it. A footlocker that I had gotten when I went away to college uh, when I was 18 years old in 1991. Um, and over the last few years I had collected um, basically every item that my daughter, uh, received over, uh, her life. Um, she's 28 and, um, I had saved every report card, every award, every art thing she brought home. 
Um, the FBI has nothing on me. I saved hair. I saved teeth. Um, baby teeth, not like I wasn't collecting her teeth randomly. Um, I don't know if you know this, but there's a thing called the tooth fairy. Uh, and so <laughs> I, what do you do with the teeth? I don't know. So I saved them. Uh, <laughs> I don't have them anymore. I did have a long conversation with her. It was actually a short conversation where I was like, Hey, I have all this shit. She was like, get rid of it. You weird hoarder. Um, I think I saved the hair, but, uh, it was like her first haircut. It wasn't just random hair. Um, cause you can do curses with that. And I don't do those kinds of curses. Um, but <laughs> I, I had her learner's permit. I had uh, one of my favorite awards that she got in, in preschool, I think, was Best Dinosaur Sounds. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, so I got rid of all of those things. But I also, in that bin or in that, in that footlocker, had uh, the card that was taped to the bassinet when I was born with, it was like Baby Girl Martinez, uh, with the date and time and my weight and height and all of my statistics. So the items that I had curated were literally, uh, since the day I was born and I'm letting go of all of this. Um, I recycled as much as I could. I threw a lot of things in the garbage. I gave a lot of things away. Um, I don't believe for myself in, uh, selling clothes or uh, shoes I donate a lot of I donated a lot of those things um, I did sell my furniture and my some of my household items but for the most part sold my furniture um, gave a lot of things away like I went to Goodwill so often that a couple of the humans that worked there got used to seeing my truck and my face regularly I did sell my truck I sold all of my camping gear um, so following the timeline, January, kind of have a pretty solid plan. By March, I'm, you know, clients have a referral list that so they start kind of going somewhere else. Um, and I'm closing files regularly. I am letting go of and selling items pretty consistently um, with a plan that in May, I'm gonna have, um, party, kind of a farewell party for myself, but also to sell items. And then uh, June, I am going to have garage sales and I need to be out of my house by June 30th. So uh, all of that comes to pass. Uh, had a great party, a farewell with my friends, um, sold a bunch of items and sold a lot of things that I wasn't expecting to sell, but like sold nothing of the things that I kind of wanted to sell. Um, so as we've talked about on the podcast, I had collected or purchased, I owned, uh, some firearms and kind of a lot of ammo. And so, uh, a lot of the partners of my girlfriends, um, were not aware that I was a gun human. And so they were fascinated by the fact that I had all this ammo. Uh, so I sold a bunch of ammo I did sell my guns uh, legally and they are registered to the humans that bought them. Um, I sold a lot of this, the equipment in my gym, um, art, camping stuff, got rid of all of that. I did have two garage sales, which I will probably never do again. Uh, one, you have to get up super early in the morning. Two, you have to organize your items. And three, you have to be really 
committed to letting things go. I think the first sale, we were trying to be a little bit more organized and, you know, haggly about it. By the second sale, I was just like, everything's a dollar. Put everything in a pile. If you have 20 items, that's 20 bucks. Um, and I made some money, but I will probably never do that again. I will also probably never collect as many items as I collected to have a lifetime worth of shit. Um, so, I mean, one of the things that I learned is like what I really need versus what I have just to have. At one point, uh, my daughter was like, I should not be allowed to have money because I buy dumb shit, um, which is true. I, I probably do have some dumb shit or had some dumb shit. I don't have any shit anymore. Um, anyway, I pared a whole house down to three bins and the Foot Locker, which now has a few books, um, like my degrees, some art that I held on to, smaller art, um, my bigger pieces that I absolutely love uh, are being saved by uh, my best friend and um, everything else was sold. Um, then the process of moving out of my house took place. Um, sold my fire pit, sold everything in the backyard. Like everything I had of comfort was gone. At one point I was sleeping on a mattress on the floor in my bedroom. Uh, I had no couch. I had no entertainment center. I had a TV, but, uh, that was it. The last two rooms to be completely emptied were the bathroom and the kitchen. Everything else was gone. And uh, so that made moving out a little easier, but it was a very painful, very difficult process. And that was right about the time that I started really struggling with what the fuck am I doing and did I make the right choice? Um, I don't regret any of that. Um, but I also will strongly recommend that <laughs> you have a good support system to kind of help you get through all of that. Because I did spend a lot of time uh, questioning my decisions. Um, but I got here, so apparently I stuck to it. Um, nothing was happening on the ship end because I was not doing ships. I was not doing dating apps. I was not meeting new people. Um, but I was also really kind of isolating and spending a lot of time by myself and in my own head, which good or bad, like it happened. Um, I struggled a lot with really detaching from people. Um, so letting go of my clients was super challenging. Um, I was saying goodbye two or three at a time every day. Uh, really kind of going over their progress and one of the, the pretty significant pieces was um, acknowledging like I can take a compliment and I, I'm actually pretty good at it but um, the grief of letting go of these people that I'd been in a relationship with um, as their therapist um, was was pretty hard and it was constant um and so that was difficult letting go of all of my stuff and and we do we have an attachment to um a sentiment a sentimental attachment to um 
a lot of things, you know, I'd, I'd kept pieces forever because so-and-so gave it to me or because I got that, you know, from my dad when I was a kid or, um, you know, Luna's teeth and hair. Uh, and so, (laughs) um, really letting go of all of those things. And I have, I've likened it to ripping my skin off because it was very, very difficult. And so in doing that, I took a step back from my friendships. Um, and I did maintain all of my relationships. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm so grateful for my friends that were checking in on me and, and, um, making time for me. I, I had uh, dinner regularly, um, with my really good friend and colleague, um, T and, uh, my best friend, uh, Berta and, uh, my cousin. And so all of, all of those humans, I'm, I'm so, so grateful for, um, Teresa, who, uh, is the owner and head therapist at Discovering Greatness, one of the agencies that I sent people to regularly. She and I had a pretty standing, consistent dinner. Um, and that was helpful because, those were opportunities for me to check in for me to just emotionally, uh, process with her and invaluable. Um, and so I, I'm grateful for my friends. Um, but I do acknowledge that I pulled away, uh, quite a bit. Um, because I, I, there were lots of different person parts of my personality that I was shedding, uh, not least of which was the dude part. We will talk about that another day. Um, but so all of that happened, sold everything, uh, had made a contact to sell my truck with a, another colleague, um, and former classmate. Um, and so July happened, I moved in with my daughter, um, kind of stored the three bins in her garage. I was still like, I had packed my bags. I, I brought two bags to Greece, um, and I had packed them they were really heavy. Um, and so I was still cutting weight, right? I'm still getting rid of things. I'm still going to Goodwill at least at this point, once a week, as opposed to every day, um, cutting weight from my bags. I sold the truck. It went, uh, I want to say like 10 days before I left. In the meantime, uh, we had some interesting kind of snafus happen. Um, some of the money I had saved, uh, didn't quite work out the way I had expected it to. We'll talk about that later. Um, but a big chunk of, uh, the money that I had kind of put away to, um, come on the trip, I'd invested with a friend and, uh, some things happened and I was out that money. Um, I had a couple health issues, um, which, is kind of on brand before I go on any trip, something happens. I have broken my ankle, busted a knee, different things. Um, I'm okay. No long-term consequences from that. Um, but, but these are things, right? Like they get in the way and they're really enormous kind of flags that are like, maybe I shouldn't do this. Um, but I had already gotten rid of everything and I had fully committed, (laughs) I quit my job. I, I, you know, I say goodbye to every possible thing that was of comfort 
to come on this trip. And so I booked my Airbnb, which is a, like I said, lovely apartment, um, kind of in the center of Athens. I had booked my flights, uh, flew to Chicago. So that's where we are now. It's like, I, I said goodbye. I did all the things. I had a great respect for grief before. Um, but I definitely, and I've gone through grief at different points in my life, but the, the place that this year has taken me in terms of becoming very, very friendly with saying goodbye and letting go, uh, oof, that's a different, different level. Um, but again, a necessary level. And I am grateful. One of the things that it highlighted for me was how loved I am and how much I love. Um, and I did. I, I was able to say goodbye to clients, to friends, to um, people that are super close to me. And it was hard every time, um, as evidenced by the emotion. But just a great validation of how fortunate and blessed I am to have people in my life, one who love me and also whom I love. And so um, I did come to the realization that I'm really good at loving. Um, and I don't even mean romantic love. Like I just mean waking up every morning and, and loving. Like I love myself in a way that I never knew was possible, but I also love the people in my life. Um, super grateful. And I still get emotional about it because I let go of a lot of people that I still have, obviously. Um, you know, we live in a time and a place where literally you can talk to someone anytime you want. Um, cool thing about Greece is we're on a seven hour time delay. <laughs> um, and so like right now we're all living in Friday. Uh, but you know, a few hours ago I was living in the future. So, um, definitely makes it challenging. Um, but it also gives you an opportunity to, uh, reflect with gratitude on what a beautiful time we live in where we can still stay connected. Um, so got rid of everything, got on a plane, um, flew to Chicago first, spent the night there. Oh wait, by the way, uh, before my flight to Chicago, I check in my daughter and I have a lovely day of indulgence. Um, you know, had a really great breakfast at the Grove and then we went to dinner at Campo. Um, and it was fantastic. Um, and so I check into my flight, I get home, we have a fire ceremony to kind of do some purging and my flight is canceled. Like my whole ass flight to Chicago from where I am going to Greece is gone. Uh, and so they put me on standby and that was some bullshit. Um, so I did get another flight on Southwest, thankfully. Um, and I got compensated for the, uh, the flight to Athens, or the flight to Chicago. But again, just another, like, what the fuck, which was frustrating. Um, spent the night in Chicago. That was lovely. Um, 
went to like the third ring of hell to get my bags and then got, um, spent the night at a hotel, uh, got up the next morning. Uh, first of all, the food in Chicago, amazing. Um, and also just the human beings I interacted with, uh, had several Uber rides with really just beautiful, awesome women. Um, and then I got on a flight to Greece. I sat next to an actual Spartan, which was really cool. There was a lovely woman on the airplane and her husband, um, she was from Sparta, which I was just like, shut the fuck up. That's cool. Um, there's a episode called, uh, change Spartan style. I can't remember what it's called anyway. Um, so had a great flight. Um, they put a tint, like there's a, an electric tint on the windows to kind of simulate dark or it's actually dark. I don't know because when I left at, um, Chicago, it was 1:40, and then I got to Athens at 8:40 in the morning. And so, um, the time change, all the things, but the sunset and sunrise out the window, um, were incredible. And, uh, I took some cool pictures. Um, but I landed and I checked in through customs and collected my two bags and I took a cab and I checked in at my amazing apartment. The adjustment to here has been interesting. Finding my new normal has been interesting. Um, I did stay up for most of the day when I arrived, I think it was on Tuesday. Um, I did find a, a grocery store and bought some items for my home. Um, they do a lot of like market shopping. They don't have like a super Walmart anywhere. Um, so that, that was, I knew that was happening, but it was also interesting. Um, so about a couple things, uh, the things that I need most in life are uh, toilet paper, heavy cream and citrus for my water, which I drink regularly. Fortunately, the water coming out of the tap is not terrible. And so drinking lots of water. Um, second day I, uh, I went for a walk when I first moved into my house, um, in Albuquerque, the, the last house that I lived in uh, the jet stream house. I went for a walk every day to kind of orient myself to the neighborhood and I could go for a two to three mile walk in any direction. And it was awesome. So I am applying that same practice here. Um, I am still taking a long nap in the middle of the day, but I am up or awake by five out of bed by six thirty, seven o'clock. Um, going for my walks. I've had two days where that has happened. Uh, I rode the Metro by myself yesterday, which was kind of cool. Um, it's like a 20 minute walk from my apartment to the closest Metro station, um, which I want to get better at and figure out the Metro system. Um, I had a lovely dinner last night, uh, Italian food. Um, and I, again, I'm working on a budget. So, uh, cooking at home is a thing. I 
did avocado toast this morning or whatever my version of it is. It was like somewhere between a Benedict, so there was like ham and cheese, and then also avocado and tomato. But um, figuring that out, I think I bought decaf coffee because everything is in Greek. Um, but I got heavy cream in it, so that works. Um, still adjusting to the time change with talking to my people, but I'm able to do that. I am posting more things on Instagram. Uh, I haven't started my TikTok. I will, I promise. Um, but I'm adjusting to so many things that, you know, doing videos of me talking um, is going to be weird. But I guess after now finishing up the first podcast of just me talking, it's not terrible. Anyway, um, that is the story of kind of the last year. It is a very quick and dirty version. Uh, still ship free. Um, not really wanting to do that. And we'll talk about that on the next episode. Um, because I learned a lot about myself and the value of and quality of the kind of relationships I was having, um, over the last like three years that I was single, single, I use air quotes. Um, I do miss Kat cause she, uh, with someone I could talk to while I was doing this. Um, but hopefully it wasn't too terrible just to hear me blathering on. Um, this is LX2 codependency coaching. Uh, and I appreciate you listening. You will, uh, be getting more opportunities to listen to me. Cause like I said, it will try to put out an episode once a week. Please reach out, um, to the Luna, LLC LunaX2.LLC at Gmail is my Gmail address to get a hold of me. Um, X to the Zenial podcast, you can still use that Instagram. I will still be post- posting to it, though it looks like LX2 uh, Codependency Coaching. And uh, Luna underscore X2 underscore LLC on Instagram. Um, any of those platforms, you can get a hold of me to leave questions, to engage. Um, I will be doing lives, hopefully start doing videos of me while I am doing the podcast. Um, but hopefully all of this will go without a hitch. Um, I did a whole 45 minutes talking to myself. Um, so we will, we, the Royal, we, all of the humans in my brain, We'll be reaching out again soon with another episode of LX2 Codependency Coaching. Take care.